like we had a little bit of a maybe a medical issue, so we just want to pray for them. I think everything's okay, but let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we, uh, we come to you today, and we are thankful for uh, the way that you have loved us. God, we're thankful for your grace and your mercy. Father, we are thankful to be in your house. We're thankful for Emmanuel, God with us. We pray for our friends, Father, as uh, it seems there's some medical issues. Father, we just pray that you would just uh, uh, meet every need, uh, Father, of everyone that is in here today. And may your name be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, you know, Christmas is a very powerful season. It, can, it is really uh, my favorite time of year. Uh, and, and I like all the Christmas stuff. I like all the decorations. I like all the music. I like the movies. I, I like the Christmas trees and the lights and, you know, the candlelight service and all of those things you think of when you think of Christmas. But, uh, but, but really, Christmas is more than all of those things. Christmas is a, is a time of year that can be very powerful. It, it's, it's, it's fueled by the message of of Christ and, and by the power of God that was revealed through the birth of Jesus. But the sad thing is that, uh, that many people will completely miss out on Christmas this year. It's not that they're not aware of it. It's not that they don't commemorate it somehow, but they will completely miss out on the life-shaping power of God that is in the message of Christmas, and instead of being challenged and being encouraged by the by the worship of Christ and the power of God through that worship uh, this Christmas season, they'll, they'll be like the lady uh, who, uh, who who lived way out in the woods, and and uh, and she decided one day that she was ready to get electricity. She lived way out in the woods, and and they didn't have electricity, and so she called the power company. Uh, they ran a line out by her house. They got her connected, and, and she was connected to, to power for many months. Several months later, the meter reader uh, came by and noticed that she had only used one unit of electrical power in her home. And, and so he was wondering if everything was okay, so he went and knocked on her door, and, uh, and, and, and he said, Ma'am, are you okay? Oh, yeah, obviously I'm here. Uh, let me ask you something, miss. Are you using your uh, electrical service? She says, Absolutely. I use it every day. And he said, well, what do you use it for? And she says, well, every night when it gets dark, I turn the lights on long enough to light my kerosene lamps, and then I turn them back off. There's a woman who had access to all the power that she needed uh, in order to light her house, not just for the night. She could light the house during the day, too. She had the ability to do that, but yet she wasn't using and she wasn't really plugging in to the to the uh, the full power that she had access to and you know uh, a lot of times I, I believe that's that's how many people approach Christmas they go through the Christmas season and they jump through all the hoops and they do all the traditions and they do the stuff but yet they miss out on the power of Christmas that is the power of the message of Christmas, and instead they settle for a kerosene Christmas. And, and so uh, this morning we're going to be back in Luke two. We'll be back in Luke two. Uh, we are going to be a little, a little uh, um, 
a little earlier in, the, in, in Luke 2 than we were last week. So if you're one of those people that's like, this, it's not in the right order, uh, I know that, oh, okay. Uh, but uh, uh, last week I wanted to talk a lot about, uh, about how to be prepared for Christmas. And, and, and in this passage, I want us to see some of the, the key messages of Christmas. Really, there's a lot of things you could pull out the messages of Christmas. But in, in, in Luke chapter 2, Verses 8 through 14, we see this interaction um, between the shepherds and the angels. And in so doing, we see a, a really good uh, just synopsis, summary statement of the message of Christmas. Now, just in case you, you don't know where we are in the, in the Jesus story, most of you probably know this already. But just to catch you up, this is, uh, this is after Mary has given birth. You remember, the angel came to Mary and said, you're going to be with child, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. And he appeared to Joseph and, and said, hey, you need, to marry, uh, you need to marry Mary, who is uh, your fiancé. Uh, you need to go ahead and marry her. Don't divorce her. She has not been unfaithful to you. Well, the, the baby that's in her womb is, is of the Lord. And so God brings confirmation to the heart of Joseph that he is supposed to go ahead with this marriage. And this is part of God's plan for him. And so they go ahead with the marriage. And, and uh, de during that time, uh, at some, some point early in, her, in their marriage, uh, before she's had the baby, uh, the Roman uh, emperor... Uh, has uh, Caesar Augustus has decided that he wants to uh, place some more taxes on uh, the Jews and on really everyone in the Roman Empire in order to properly tax them? He has to have everybody come to their uh, to certain cities, uh, cities that are corroborated by their their families, and so uh, they were called. Mary and uh, and Joseph were called to come to Bethlehem, Judea, to uh, register for the census. And so they, they traveled to Bethlehem. While they're there, of course, Mary was, was, uh, was with child. Uh, while they were there, God saw fit uh, to, uh, to, to allow her to go into labor. She gave birth to, to the baby uh, Christ Jesus, the, the, the King of kings. He was born in the humblest of circumstances in a, in a manger. And, and um, of course, there was no room for them anywhere else, and that was... Uh, that was where Jesus was born. That's where we pick it up here in, in uh, Luke 2, verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field and keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which is to be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. If you didn't recognize that, that was uh, many of you recognize that translation. I read that from the King James because in verse 14, 
the way that that is, uh, the way that the, the translation reads there, um, I, I think is, is, is a great summary of what Christmas is all about. Three messages of Christmas. This all comes from verse 14. The first message of Christmas is glory to God. Glory to God in the highest. Christian does not, uh, Christmas does not exist to glorify you. It doesn't exist to glorify me or a church or a family. It exists to glorify God. See, Christ didn't, didn't come to the earth. He wasn't born in a manger to give us glory. He, he came to bring God glory. And one of the major problems that we have with our world today uh, is that so much of the world that we live in thinks that everything is about them. It, it, it's about their heart. It's about their feelings. It's about their truth. And when it comes down to it, it's just they just think it's all about them. When Jesus was born, the first message that God gave to the angels to proclaim to humanity, that, that message was not glory to man. It was not glory to you because God sent you a savior. It wasn't glory to you because of the birth of Christ. It was glory to God in the highest. Do we benefit from Jesus? Absolutely. Are we blessed by the baby Jesus? Absolutely. We should surrender to the message of God. We should surrender to the will of God. We should surrender to the, to the saving grace of God that was brought by Jesus Christ but the message of God that night was not glory unto man. It was glory to God in the highest. Translation is this. For them, for the people in that day, and for us today, for us to understand is that, that, that the birth of Jesus signifies a promise that is kept. God has sent his son. He has kept his promise. He has demonstrated his power. He has, he has proven his love for humanity. He has, he has made a way of redemption for you and for me. He has made a, a, a way of salvation for those who have sinned against him. And really, although we are so blessed by the birth of Jesus and, and the salvation that was brought uh, by the, the, the life and the death of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Praise God for that. Uh, although we're, we're, we're blessed by all of those things and we should surrender to all of those things, we have to understand that it's all about God. We should give glory to God. It's all about Him. So how do you, how do you glorify God? What does that mean for you and me? I mean, the angels proclaimed His glory and we should understand that it's about His glory but what does that mean for us? I mean, I'm not an angel. I don't have a trumpet. I don't have wings. How can I proclaim in the glory of God? How can I glorify God in my life? Well, there's probably a lot of ways you could do that. But, uh, you know, some of you probably are already thinking, well, you know, I know what I need to do this Christmas. I need to give a little bit more to a charity. I need to help, uh, uh, you know, uh, somebody with their Christmas. I need to, uh, I, I need to do this. I need to go serve 
uh, at this place or, 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 or do that kind of thing. And listen, if that's what God calls you to do, then you need to do it. Absolutely. But just, be, just doing those things with an empty heart, I mean, you're not glorifying God with the full potential that, uh, that, 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 that you are called to glorify Him with if you're just sort of wandering through, checking off boxes, doing good deeds to say, okay, I think I've done enough good deeds for Christmas. Christmas is not about good deeds. It's about giving glory to God. You want to learn to glorify God this Christmas, then you need to learn to be satisfied in Him. John Piper famously said, and I've never forgotten this, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him now if you know me you know that i don't always agree with every little thing that john piper has ever written or said uh but he has uh he has uh, very succinctly written and said uh some very powerful very true things and this is one of the most truest things i've ever heard uh i've ever heard him say or write or, or speak on god is most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in him we need to learn to be satisfied in him learn to depend on him we need to be on our knees praying and seeking god's direction for our life we need to rejoice when god answers a prayer with a yes when we say god would you give me this and he says yes then we need to learn to rejoice at that but then if he if he uh, if we pray and, and he says no, because by the way, God either says yes or no or not right now, okay? Which not right now is, is no, but it might mean no for now. Uh, but w- one way or the other, we need to rejoice with the yeses, but we've got to come to terms when God gives us a no. We've got to be able to come to terms with that and trust him, be satisfied in him. Listen, this is not a new thought. This is taught in Scripture. And even, uh, you know, you, you go back uh, in 1646, the Christians from, uh, uh, from, from all over would get together and they would talk about Scripture and the things that they had believed for centuries that are true about Scripture and about God. And they would come up with these summary statements. And these statements are not Scripture, but they're reflective of scriptural to- truth. And in the Westminster Catechism, 1646, this statement came out that says that, that, that we exist, or the chief end of man, uh, is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. In 1646, this was an old thought. Nobody said, well, I'm not really sure if, uh, if the Bible teaches that. They were like, amen, yes, absolutely. That is what the Bible teaches. You and I exist to glorify God. Christmas exists to glorify God in the highest way. And Christians exist to do the same thing. Christmas exists to glorify God in the highest way. Glory to God in the highest is what the angel said. So it exists to glorify God in the highest way. But Christians exist to do the same. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Somebody once said that glorifying God means feeling and thinking and acting in ways that reflect his greatness, um, that make much of him and give evidence of his supreme 
greatness. Okay, Acting, uh, thinking, feeling, and acting in ways that reflect his greatness, make much of God, and give evidence of his supreme greatness. So here's the question. Here's the question. Do your feelings, do your thoughts, do your actions reflect the greatness of God? Do they make much of him? When people look at your life, does your life reflect the glory of God? Does it give evidence of his supreme greatness? You know, they might see something that's good, but do they see something that is supremely great? See, Christmas is a message of God's glory. It's also a message of peace on earth. Glory to God in the highest, verse 14, and peace on earth. Listen, we live in a world that is in conflict. We live in a nation that's in conflict. For for the last few weeks, all we hear about on the news is the impeachment hearings in Washington. Everywhere I I turn, I hear somebody talking about the impeachments. I turn this channel, I turn that channel. I mean, it's on news, it's on talk shows. People are joking about it, people are yelling about it. I mean, everybody has an opinion about it. Some people say they're going to impeach the President of the United States for high crimes and misdemeanors, and, and others say there's no evidence of the such. And then you got other people over here saying, you know, we got to impeach this guy. And you got other people over here saying, you can't do it because there's, there's, there's no evidence. And, and, and they're fighting over what the evidence might or might not be. And, and, and we just live in a world of conflict. That's, listen, the impeachment stuff's not what's wrong with the world. It's just a symptom of what's going on in the world. We have uh, we have major division, even just in our country, on many issues. Our, 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 our nation is divided on issues like wage control and abortion and the definition of marriage and border control policies and taxes and trade and gun controls. Listen, you name it, and I'm telling you, there's going to be somebody fighting about it, all right? And here's the thing. One of the, one of the biggest mistakes that we make and this is not just in politics, but this is in life. I think our, our culture makes. So we spend too much time asking our culture uh, what it thinks about an issue. And we don't spend enough time, and hardly any time at all, really asking God what he thinks about it. We want to know what the culture, what the people think about it, instead of wanting to know what does God think about it. You know, a lot of people will say, well, we need to pass these laws. We need to let the right people get the right judges, you know, in the Supreme Court and, 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 you know, elect this kind of president or this kind of Congress or that kind of Senate, whatever it might be. And listen, I'm not opposed to, to having godly people in those offices. I, I want to see godly people in those offices, people that pray, that are godly men and women, that are studying Scripture and seeing the face of God, who pass legislation that's birthed from the heart of God. I'm all for that. But, but the heart of the matter isn't having the right people in office. It's having the living God in our focus. If, if, we, if we would be a people that would have our focus and our attention on the living God, the peace of Christ, the uh, the, the Christ, that the Jesus who, as Paul says, is our peace. 
But I believe we'd see God work in an amazing way, uh, even across party lines. Ephesians 2.14, you remember this uh, from a few months back when we were studying Ephesians. Paul says, for he, talking about Jesus, he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. And in his flesh, he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace. Verse 16, he did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross and put the hostility to death by it. See, the peace of Christ is available to every person on this earth. If you are breathing today, if your heart is beating, then the peace of God is available to you. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. It doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter what kind of family you were raised in or if you were raised in a family at all. The peace of Christ is available to you. It's a peace that can end hostilities. It's a peace that can unite us to God and to other believers. Listen, I want you to notice that. If you go back and look at at uh, Ephesians 2, it says that Jesus ends the hostilities. Does that mean that, that people are never going to disagree? No, it doesn't mean that. Listen, you can disagree with somebody without being hostile to them. See, the peace of Christ is a peace that can end hostilities. You, you want to make a God-glorifying impact on this world? Then learn to be able to disagree with people without being hostile to them. The, the message of Christ and the message of Christmas is a message of peace. It's a peace that ends hostilities. It's a peace that unites man with God and to other believers. But it's also a message about a peace that surpasses all understanding. And you hear about this. You hear about Christians talking about uh, the peace that surpasses all understanding. Scripture talking about the peace that surpasses all understanding. And, and a lot of people say, well, what, what does that mean? Well, the, the peace that surpasses all understanding is a, is a peace that you have in your mind, in your, in your body, and in your spirit that, that supersedes, transcends any earthly circumstance. It doesn't mean that you're not ever going to be upset. It doesn't mean that you're not ever going to get angry or going to be sad. But, but it means that, 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 that you continue to trust God even in the greatest difficulty. That even when, when, when thing after thing after thing seems to go wrong in your life, you're not going to throw your hands up and say, I'm done with this. But you're going to keep on and, and endure and persevere trusting God, seeking His face, seeking His plan, and moving forward to find His will. That is the peace that surpasses all understanding. But you know, we also understand that if you've lived life for a little while and you study Scripture, you understand that there are many things that kind of interrupt your peace, aren't there? There are a lot of things that 
that, that, that disrupt that in your heart. And there are a lot of things, but I, 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 I've just thought of three off the top of my head. Fear, anger, and resentment. Fear, anger, and resentment are the enemies of peace. They're adversaries of peace. And, 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 and fear, anger, and resentment are present in your heart. Then you are going to be far from peace. You can't have peace with fear, anger, or resentment in your heart. See, the message of Christmas is a message of, of God's glory. And it's a message of peace. But it's also a message of goodwill. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. And goodwill to men. Praise God for that. The birth of Jesus was a gift. It was a gift from God to mankind, from God down to humanity. It was a gift of redemption, a gift of salvation. See, Jesus is the very personification of God's grace and love for humanity. Say, so how do I know God loves me? He sent Jesus. That, that's how you know. See, a lot of people look around and they say, my life is difficult. There are things in my life that upset me, frustrate me, that, that I don't like and I wish they were different. And, 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 and they start looking around and, and, and they start saying, well, if God would, all, would let all these bad things happen to me, then I'm not sure if I'm going to believe in him. I'm not sure if I can believe in him. He said, how can I know? Because he sent Jesus. God never promised you that your life would be easy. He didn't promise you a cakewalk. But what he did promise is that he'd never make you do it alone. Jesus is the very personification of God's grace and his mercy and his love for you. He's not going to make you do it alone. He, he came down. He came down himself. God literally stepped out of heaven onto this earth through the flesh of Jesus. To prove to you, you didn't have to do it on your own. See, the birth of Jesus was a gift. Think about this. God didn't have to send a Messiah. He didn't have to send a Savior. Nobody was twisting his arm to send redemption for the humanity that had rejected him. He didn't have to do that. And, and you think about the fact that he didn't have to do that, but he did. As a demonstration of his love, of, uh, a demonstration of his forgiveness. Cr Christmas is about God showing his goodness and his grace to humanity. It it's about God showing uh, his good will. His, another word maybe that we might use is his grace. He didn't have to do it, but he did it. Because he is a gracious, loving amazing, awesome God. Christmas is about God showing that goodwill to humanity. But, but also, remember you and I are called to be imitators of Christ. And we're to be imitators of God in our lives. Ephesians 5, remember? And, and so, as imitators of God, Christmas is not just about God showing his love to me but also about God showing his love to others through his ministry in my life.
through his life-changing impact, through the way that he has changed my heart and the way he has changed your heart, then he is going to be showing his grace and his mercy through your life. We, as believers in Christ, are to demonstrate the good will of God Through our lives. Listen, let me ask you this. When is the last time that you sat down and really considered and really pondered and thought about in your heart the significance and the awesomeness of God sending His Son to earth? That that God would keep His promise over thousands of years. (coughs) That God would send a suffering and a Serving Savior to sinners like you and me. See, he didn't have to do that, but he did it. What? Man, what an amazing God. When's the last time you really thought about that? And here's another question. How are you expressing God's goodwill towards others this Christmas? How are you expressing that through your life, through your attitude, through your actions? How's, that, how, how, how's God working that ministry through you? See, that's, that's really what, you know, the presents that we give at Christmas time, they're symbolic of the gift that God gave us, that God gave humanity, a free gift, unmerited gift of a Savior that was born, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. The, 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 whatever you give to your loved ones this Christmas, It's a way to symbolically express um, the love of God to humanity. It's also a a way that God expresses his loves to others through you. But, you know, for some of you, the gift that you need to give this Christmas might not even be a material gift. It, it It might be a more significant gift, a spiritual gift, an emotional gift. Some of us need to give the gift of loving kindness to one another, to people that have hurt us and wronged us. Some of us need to give the gift of understanding. Some of us, we, need to, we need to put ourselves in someone else's shoes. We need to remember that not everybody thinks exactly the same way that, that we think, and they don't always react exactly the way that we react. They don't always do exactly what we would do. But that's okay, because that doesn't surprise God one bit. God is still on his throne. Some of us need to to be understanding. Some of us need to be forgiving. Some of us need to give forgiveness this Christmas season. God sent Jesus to forgive you. He sent Jesus to forgive me. And it's that Christ inside of us that enables us to forgive others. Some of us maybe need to give the gift of humility. Not that we need to humble somebody, but we need to be humble towards somebody. Luke 14 says, For whoever exalts himself will be humbled by God, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted by God. You see, Christmas isn't about decorations. And it's not about 
a, a tree that is trimmed. And it's not about the lights or the gifts. The message of Christmas is a message that glorifies God. It's a message of peace and it's a message of goodwill. And if you will get your hearts around those messages this Christmas season, I believe you'll have a powerful Christmas instead of a kerosene one. Let's pray.